Well, I join Jay in welcoming you. Good morning, Heartland. It is, uh, it is great to be with you in this capacity this morning. Our focus in this I Am series is a focus on clarity. And it's a journey of clarity. Jay mentioned on the whiteboard last week, we'd love for things to move along in a straight line for us, but they rarely do. And we'd like to use this image of a spiral to capture what the journey is often like for us. It's like we're going around and around in circles, right? In fact, we revisit some of the things of our life and we wonder, is this any different now than it was before? How is it different? Do I have a different perspective on this point in my life? Or is it just repeat and repeat? The journey to clarity in the spiral picture is I'm moving from where I am to a a point higher. I'm gaining perspective on what's going on in my experience. But in order to gain the benefit of this kind of clarity journey, we're gonna have a couple of components that are really important. The first of which is the courage to know. If I'm going to join this journey, I'm going to have to have the courage to know because it's a little bit of a scary journey. I don't know when the last time you sat down and kind of mapped out your story and looked at the particulars of your history and let it talk back to you. But if you have, there are probably parts of that story you wish you weren't remembering, right? They're unpleasant or they resurface unfinished business in your story and you're called to courage to know what's in the story. In addition to the courage to know, you're going to need experiences to grow. These are two really important steps in this clarity journey. And if we're going to embrace what the journey has to offer us, like get the the full goodness out of the journey, we're going to have to have the courage to know and the experiences to grow. We're going to gain that through the power of story. When we think about story, let me suggest that Story has power for at least four reasons. One is it's disclosure. We, we, something's revealed and we get invited into the story. There's a situation or a setting, there's circumstances, there are main characters, there's a plot line. There's a disclosure that appeals to us and we get engaged in the story. And then there's tension, there's trouble, stuff's not going well. There's hostility, someone's after somebody else. There's threat and adversity. There's tension in the story. Thirdly, there's an intervention. Somebody steps in, a savior, a hero, a heroine. Someone steps in and saves the day, saves the main character. There's an intervention and then last there's resolution. There's a conclusion. It could be as simple as the end. But generally, it's not. There's something poignant. There's something taught. There's something deposited. There's justice. So that's the nature of the power of story. So as we consider the the story of God together this morning, we're going to be looking for these components. What's the revelation or the disclosure? What's the tension or the trouble? What's the intervention? What's the resolution? When it comes to story, we love a great story. We're, We're made for story as people. But it isn't about the story, it's about the story's impact on us. It's fair enough to say that we could hear a great story, but ultimately we take away with us its impact on us. Where do we find ourselves in the story? What is it that comes from the story that stays with us? How does that story give us perspective on the world that surrounds us? Our attention today being on the story of God 
is intended to invite us into the biggest pieces, kind of these big hanging points of the story of God so that we can put the content and the details of it together. Without those big hooks, it's hard to make it all hang together. In the power of the story of God, it's the combination of knowing the story and then experiencing the story and then interpreting the story. It needs to make sense to us, needs to become personal for us. This week, there was a major celebration for us as a country around September 11th and the incidents of that, of that day. And there is a meta-narrative of that day. There's a large story about the events of September 11th, but there's a personal narrative about that day. My guess is, like me, you found yourself rehearsing that personal story. You were reminded of the meta-narrative, the bigger story, and you found yourself in it. You could name where you were. You could name what you were experiencing. You could name what you were feeling. You could name what was going on around you. It marked you 18 years ago, but it's alive today. And it's alive today because you know the story. You experience the story. You've had to do some interpreting around that story for you. God has been that generous toward us. He didn't just lay it on us. He's made it fully accessible to us, this story of God. Let's look at what he has to say in John chapter 1 as he makes this declaration about how he's made his story and its power available to us. He says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, Jesus, in this incarnated one, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't overcome it. So what he's telling us is, he who is the great I am came and joined our condition right where I am revealing himself and disclosing himself, entering our tension and our trouble, intervening our, on our behalf and offering resolution to that. What this means is that who I am and who the great I am is, we are I aming together in this story of our life. But let's take a moment and get our hands around the bigger story of God. In the story of God, we find it captured for us in the Bible, and the Bible is basically a library. There aren't a lot of libraries you can carry with you, but you can this one. Sixty-six books written by over 40 different authors offer us the revelation of the story of God, and in so they offer us the revelation of God. And so as we look at the big hooks and the big picture today, I want to describe these big elements as hinge moments. These are moments that define the direction or trajectory of the story. And we're going to start by using some of the classical terms for that. So this should be familiar to you. If not, that's great. I hope they hook and hold for you. We're going to move from the classical terms to the, to the story of God to more personal terms because the story of God has been intended to be personal. Not just his and not someone else's and not over there, but personal. So the first classic term is the term creation. In the story of God, we have creation. And in creation, captured for us in the first book of the Scriptures, Genesis, in the first two chapters, we find that God's revealing himself as a dreamer. He's a designer. He's an architect. And he's a builder. 
And he forms all that exists, time and space, land and sea, all living creatures and humankind as well. He's the one who acts on. He's the prime mover in this experience of creation. And we learn of who he is as we understand creation. He brings into being naming, and he brings into being purpose. He brings in relationships. Humankind is created and shown how to interact with his creation. Creation is the first big hook. What a hinge moment, huh? How does it get any bigger than that? But shortly after creation, we have this moment of rebellion against God. Mankind decides to provide for himself. And in so doing, we have the fall. So creation's the first hook. The fall is our second big hook or hinge moment. And in this, God's creation literally rebels against creator. And the result is everything in creation is impacted by that rebellion. The significance of it for us is we can trace back to this moment everything that is broken in us. Everything that our heart longs for resolution and healing comes back to this moment. It's a remarkable hinge moment. All of creation is altered as a result of this fall. Now we're going to take a giant leap and jump 41 books ahead in this library and pick the story up with God's next crowning moment of intervention in the story, and that's in the incarnation. It's in the incarnation that God provides himself, and the Gospels, the first few books of the New Testament capture this, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those books offer us this picture of God's ultimate intervention. He sends himself in the person of Jesus. This incarnation that's come to mark our calendars is that significant in the story of God. It gives us access to who God is, what God's perspective is. It made his conversation and his word flesh for us. John captures this as well. We pick it up in verse 6. He says, God sent a man named John the Baptist to tell about the light that everyone might believe because of John's testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, is coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. These people are reborn, he says, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but with a birth that comes from God. The level of intervention that this incarnation represents is it transformed people. That God himself coming in the flesh was meant to change us. That's the nature of this provision. He goes on, he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of, as that of the Father. And it's the, one, the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. From his abundance, we've all received a gracious blessing, one after the other. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. He says, no one has ever seen God. 
but the unique one, Jesus, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart and he's revealed God to us. That's the nature of the incarnation. God himself made flesh and living in our condition right among us. What a remarkable intervention. Out of his incarnation, his life and then the cross and resurrection, he offers us reconciliation. This is the fourth big piece of this story, this reconciliation where God is about healing everything that's broken, broken relationships, broken lives, broken history, weakness and inadequacy, fear and doubt. He's come to heal all of that. 2 Corinthians 5 captures this theme powerfully where we read, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone and the new is here. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's given us this way of serving others, this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sin against them. He's committed to us this same message. We're ambassadors, if you will, the storytellers of this provision of God. God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Incredible story, incredible provision of reconciliation. Ultimately, this story ends in what's called restoration. And restoration is the resolution of all wrongs and disorders. So we look back and we see creation, where God began with a perfect context and a perfect relationship with him and with us, and that became violated by the fall. The fall over many, many generations continues to have its impact on us. But God intervenes in that with himself and brings himself in the incarnation. That incarnation offered the way to reconciliation and ultimately to restoration. Revelation 21 describes this restoration as God bringing his dwelling back among us. He's literally providing us a way to be face-to-face with him again. Revelation 21, as you have an opportunity, just encourage you to read that. You know, for many of us, the story of God is difficult to access. And Britton Gregory, one of our team members, found a resource a couple of months ago, and I just, it's brilliant. I, I just want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, or if you do have a Bible, add this to your, to your tool chest. It's a Bible done by Tyndale Press called The Wayfinding Bible the Wayfinding Bible, and in this particular resource, what they offer you is three different levels of access to the story of God. One they call the flyby, which is great. I would call it the cliff notes. You know, you get it, you get it quick, and you get it done. This offers 54 experiences from the Scriptures that give you the layout of time and place and people and what the movement of this story is. It takes these big headings of creation and fall, incarnation, reconciliation, redemption, restoration. It takes those and puts them in a real trackable form. If you want to do the direct route, it'll take you down a little deeper and offer you 215 or so points of tracking this story of God. It takes you right down into what they call the scenic route and you can just follow it along. It's color-coded. That wouldn't help Jay because he's colorblind, but we can help him. You guys can help him. 
but the story just gets tracked so clearly. You know, if you've not been in 2 Chronicles recently, you may wonder to yourself, why is 2 Chronicles in the library? I don't get it. What is up with that? But it'll track and give you information about what is in 2 Chronicles. It'll set the context for you. It'll give you a description of how to find Jesus in 2 Chronicles. You may not have known he was there. He's there. It'll provide you a chronology and timeline along the bottom so you can locate yourself. I don't receive any benefit from your purchase of the Wayfinding Bible. I just want to clarify that. But let me assure you, you will experience remarkable benefit. Because for most of us, as much as our heart hungers for access to the story of God, we found it pretty difficult. We may have taken some runs at reading the different books in the library, and we're just like, I, am, I don't get it. Who is this person? What are they doing? Why are they doing it? Where are they? Why is this matter? God's intent is that His story be personal for you and me. Not that it be kept somewhere else, by someone else, in a book you don't read. He's, he's invited us to have full access to Him, that we would receive maximum benefit from His revelation of Himself. He wants us to experience His story. Here's what happens when we experience the story of God. We begin to personalize it with our own terms. So let's take a run at that for just a couple of minutes. Instead of using the classic terms, creation, fall, etc., let's try these terms. What if you were to describe the story of God as beginnings? The beginnings, the initiative of God on us for all that is created but all that is meaningful to us of relationships, of husbands and wives and family, how it is we relate to God personally, it's beginnings. All of us have a beginning, right? Yes, in case you didn't know. You're here, you had a beginning. So how is it I connect with the story of God? I can think about creation. I haven't created anything. But I have a beginning. Huh. God began to reveal himself for who he was in the beginning. Then there's breakdown. In the case of the story of God, his creation began listening to the wrong conversation and bought into its perspective and acted on it. And as a result, that action was an action of rebellion. You know, I get that about myself. I've listened to the wrong conversations. I've entertained the perspective those conversations offered. I've acted on them. And I found they took me to darker places. Now, it wasn't because I went to darker places. What I began to discover is I've got darker places in me that begin to get exposed and revealed when I get honest about breakdown. So there's beginnings and there's breakdown. A third term that keeps the story moving is there's breakthrough, that there's an intervention. Someone or God himself intervenes. He begins to carry his life into my life story, and ultimately I discover he's provided himself. Through the person of Jesus, his life, the cross, and the resurrection, this breakdown I'm living in has breakthrough. And out of breakthrough, I'm having this experience of being moved from bad to good. From bad to good, I'm finding that the good news of God is addressing the bad news of my life. And I'm experiencing change regularly, freshly. There's an indwelling presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. His transforming power is changing me from the inside out. And last, 
The word bountiful rose for me. Now, these are my terms. They may not be yours, but bountiful, that God has promised us a life in overabundance, the life fullest lived, where there is the resolution of all things. Bountiful. So, for you, knowing the story of God enough to personalize it represents that you've had an encounter with the story of God, and the God of the story has had an encounter with you. That's the point of the story. The story has a lot of particulars. There's a lot of content. There's some phenomenal things offered us. The bottom line is, what's its impact on you and its impact on me? When you encounter the story of God, the story of God encounters you. That's inescapable. We have a number of people here at Heartland who have been on this clarity spiral journey encountering the story of God and being encountered by the God of the story. And they've been generous enough to offer us some of their story today, and we're going to join them by video. Let's capture their personalization of the story of God. I basically learned that, you know, for basically 50 years of my life, I was looking through... Daryl's lenses and thought I was thriving basically and once I went through the course I was able to look through God's lenses and wow was I surviving for 50 years I have so much more peace in my heart I think for so long I struggled with just performance-based love you know and how I equated that was, if I'm doing more, that's more approval from God. And to just have the freedom and the permission to not, you know, feel like I have to be everything for everyone. I'm, I'm not Jesus. That's 100% His role. And so what what is my role in that? And going deeper with how God created me. You know, I am created. I'm a masterpiece created for good works. And, you know, just being able to rest in that and have the freedom to say no to things have the freedom to um, bring my best and bring my voice to bear um, has been wonderful. The change that I saw in my relationship with God was that I learned how to trust Him more in little things and how to come to Him when I felt like it was too much for me to handle by myself as opposed to just trying to self-will or power myself through um, things that I had done before in the past. And so for the first time, I was actually um, looking to God to help me with those parts of my story that I felt like I didn't have any control over. So my relationship with God has changed through this journey in kind of a cool yet very simple way. As I was going through this process and seeing my life written out on paper and saying, this is where I was, these are the main highlights that I remembered, good and bad, through these different time frames in life, I realized God has always been there. And it's just really cool to watch how he's really been there. And so you take that and you're like, okay, that's almost a tangible way to see God in your life, just to write it out on paper. So if you do nothing else, at least write it on paper, be like, oh, these are the things that I remember from my childhood, high school, college, whatever, and watch where was God in those moments. You know, I came to Heartland 30 years ago believing but very damaged, very broken, very, very unchurched. So my trust level was at a minus 20. So when you come to church, 
and you hear these things. You are wonderfully and marvelously made. Um, he is your creator. You were put here for a purpose. Intellectually, you begin to think those. But the biggest shift is when it comes from the head and goes to the heart. When you wake up and you go, I am wonderfully and marvelously made, and you believe it. And I'm just now realizing that when I invite him into my conversations, because I have a party going on in my head all the time, and I have to be careful with who I invite, and the one person that I didn't invite was him, and the ones that I did invite were guilt and shame. So the shift is inviting him into the conversation. And what happens is there's, there's not as much room, and hopefully at some point there will be no room for guilt and shame being in the Word and praying. It was often a checklist. It was a to-do list, a programmed thing. And now it's really been driven more out of um, where do I where do I want to journey with God today? And being intentional about that and letting that be a part of my routine instead of just something I feel obliged to do. And there are days that I do it and I'm not completely into it. But understanding story better now reading through God's story has a different light because now I can see my highs and lows are illustrated in the highs and lows. We read of people's stories throughout scripture. And sometimes we kind of get what I refer to as the Sunday school God in our perception of who he is, that it's all the good things. It's David beating Goliath. But then we also see through reading through scripture and getting to know God's story and the people that followed God, we get to see the highs and lows of the life that they experienced. And so the story of God becomes so much more real because I get to relate to their story because I see my experiences in them uh, and I haven't always looked at it that way. So on their behalf, I just want to say if it's your desire to have another level of encounter with the story of God, that you might have at that level a different encounter with the God of the story. I just want to encourage you, take the journey. Ask God to give you the courage to know and experiences to grow. That who He is and what He's revealing and offering becomes yours and you begin to see this inextricably interwoven story, his story and your story uh, together. When we have an encounter with God and an encounter with the God of the story, as I mentioned earlier, who I am and who the great I am is, we, we start seeing the I aming that's been going on together. You can do that as Jay has encouraged you, I wanna encourage you, if you haven't signed up to be a part of the journey, this clarity journey. Take advantage of that opportunity. Go to the app, make use of the app and register even this morning before you go. Join a few hundred of your Heartland family and friends to take this clarity spiral journey or go to the website, take advantage of that link and sign up for it. What'll happen is that the God of the story will become so much more personal you'll have the words you need to describe his story. Not classic terms or my terms, but your terms. And you'll have those to tell your story with as well. I'm gonna pray and just ask God to help make his story 
alive for you. Jesus, we thank you for intervening in the story, for bringing life, personality, experience to the story and the character of your son. Thank you for making it possible for us to have access to you, that we would find you to be the one who does in fact give life in place of death, who provides us everything we need, who pushes back the darkness. Thank you for the breakthrough. Thank you for the bad to good journey. Thank you for your bounty. Bring your story alive for us, I pray. As we encounter your story, may we encounter you inescapably. In Jesus' name, amen.